Hey, this is your name, your name, your name. And uh, they say it ain't easy. Ian Green. Gang Green. The New York Jets. And their man. The Jets got themselves a great Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Talk about all gas, no break. The great one. We're not talking about effort on the field. Ooh. We're talking about the process at which we do things. I'm not going to lie to you. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Keep your foot on the pedal. Base, 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 base. There's no way I'm not going to have enthusiasm on the sideline. Hey, own this rep. Own this rep. The New York Jets. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. And welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everyone. You know it. was good. Also joining us to bless us with the amazing intel that he brings every week. You know him. You love him. Former Division One tight end, the big stinky wookie, Nicholas Kronk. What is going on, everybody? Good to see you. And the fourth part of our quartet here, the number one high school coach in the nation today, my cousin Sammy. Sammy, what's up, man? Yo, what's going on, everyone? All right, everybody, this week we're going to come at you with a little defensive free agent preview. We hit the offense last week, going to go through the defense this week, run through some of the way the defensive units performed last year, maybe see some holes we can fill, plug them in with some of these free agents like we did last week, guys. Before we do that, we're going to get some news and notes from this week. I know Joe Douglas spoke to the media today. Uh, you know, Joe Douglas isn't really someone that says many controversial things. You get a lot of GM speak from him, but he, like, was there anything coming out of that press conference you think was noteworthy? Any players maybe he mentioned might go into 2022 that he's hyped about? Well, he made a couple of comments. I thought it was a pretty good press conference. He, he did say, uh, I've had some good conversations with Drew Rosenhaus around Braxton Berrios. We know that there's going to be some conversation. And this is a lot of this is reported by DJ Bienemy from the Daily News. So appreciate big ups to him on that. Um, he also said that the ship hasn't sailed on Denzel Mims. Interesting. Interesting. I think that's probably trade bait. I think he's out of here, in my opinion, but we'll see what happens. He also called uh, Michael Carter uh, unbelievable, has unbelievable contact balance, great feet, lateral agility, and he's that dude. So he really is all about uh, him like there. It. And um, he said that if there's an opportunity to trade back and accumulate more assets, um, that that obviously is part of the that could be part of the plan there um and then from an offensive line perspective he thinks it's in a better place now and he thinks that uh they are going to get better in the trenches and they will be focusing in there on offensive and defensive lines always as the priority so that's that's those are always good nuggets to hear from one Joe Douglas. Comes to Barrios, we'll see what the deal is, Mike. I think that as long as they don't overpay, he's someone Jet fans would be happy to bring back as long as he's actually part of the offense. And when it comes to this draft capital and acquiring more assets, why that's interesting. It's one of the things I wanted to get to before we get into the show today. I read an article today and it's, you know, they did some tabulations here when it comes to draft capital. You know, they have those draft boards where you have your selections. They assign point rankings to each one of those selections. And the Jets have the most draft capital in an individual NFL draft 
of any team since 1999. The only team with more draft capital than one draft was the Browns in 2018. And we're all front-loaded here basically in the first five rounds next year. So if he's talking about trading back to get more assets, when you're looking at a basically historical amount of assets already, I mean, Joe Douglas is just out here doing work. And we have plenty of holes to fill, which we're going to get to. So I understand that thought process, and I like that a lot. Let me ask Sammy something. When you heard the news that the GM of the Dolphins here, Chris Greer, said they're no longer in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, no more interest in him. They're just going to move on. Um, I know there's been a lot of hullabaloo with Watson, but was that not music to your ears that he's not going to be in our division? Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I don't know, even if he did or were to come to Miami, I'm not sure how we perform with everything that's going on. I think for any person, any individual in in the world, going on with this kind of drama, the amount of negative press, uh, the allegations, which again, I believe in innocent to proven guilty, but sometimes, you know, that early evidence dictates more than it actually says. So I don't know, even if you were to play, he'd be great, but it, it is a nice weight off. Um, that we know we don't have another yeah. guy in there that is is quite the quarterback. Yeah, uh, do we need to have Josh Allen so. and Watson in our division? I mean, I'd rather not if we right. can avoid that. Mac Jones is playing the Pro Bowl, even though he was alternate last year. So, I mean, that'd be tremendous to avoid that. And I want to one, go through one other thing before we start off here, guys. Aaron Rodgers and his whole situation. I know we're not a Packers podcast here, but he went on a 12-day yoga binge what is it a pancreas yoga i forget i don't even know what the hell it's called it's, but he did a cleanse and he came out of that and he still hasn't made a decision here with the packers let me ask you Wookie, do you think at this point aaron Rodgers is kind of doing the packers a disservice this is the second year he's done this to them free agency free agency is starting next week don't you think at this point especially after this yoga cleanse where you get yourself right your mind bites your spirit right should there not have been a decision by this point what a dean oswald Everybody, <laughs> whether you want to say it or not, you besides, I mean, people that are just starstruck in love with Aaron Rodgers, you know he's a D-nozzle. This is, I mean, it's par for the course with him. And I'm sure Green Bay knew that going in, but it doesn't make it any less D-nozzle-ish. I can't even pronounce that word right now. That's how D-nozzle-ish it was. Everybody knows um, what you mean. Holding, holding the team, he just, of course, he, he, he says he's, he's on better terms with the coaching staff. But I think this is his way of going, hey, you know what? You really kind of hurt my feelings, so I'm just going to drag you through it a little bit. But D-nozzle. <laughs> what do you think, Mike, here with this whole Aaron Rodgers drama? It's been a long year for him. He had the COVID situation. I'm, I'm vaccinated. I'm not vaccinated. Apparently, he broke up with his little Hollywood starlet girlfriend. Uh, he goes on his yoga binge. Still doesn't know what he wants to do. Do you think he's kind of doing a disservice here to his team? I know he's an NFL legend. Give him all the time he wants. But he's kind of making the Packers wait around here. And like I said, fragrance is about to start, man. I think he learned from the best. Didn't Bre didn't he watch Brett Favre do this all those years ago? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true. It. So it is with it, par for the course. Oh man, Mike does not like Aaron Rodgers, and neither does the Wookie guys. No one's really a big fan of him outside of the land of Green Bay. But let's get into these New York Jets. Let's get into this defense. Some of these defensive free agents we could be potentially adding to the team next year. Pro Football Focus has one in the top twenty. They think it's gonna land on the Jets. So let's get to that, guys. A little preview of the defensive free agents. Let's go. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on. Welcome me. back. We're gonna start off here with the defensive line. Now, it's a unit on paper going into last year we thought it was going to be a strength. We know when the season finished last year, the Jets finished 32nd 
in total defense. Uh, one of those problems we had was stopping the rush. We were 30th in the league against the rush, 29th against the pass. Um, we didn't really create a lot of pressure. We only we were 26th in overall sacks. I think we only had 33 sacks last year, guys. So the defensive line, I think, underperformed a little bit. Mike and I were talking today, before we get into the free agents, and we just talk about last year's performance. Um, and I, I want to throw to Mike on this, because Mike has a player on the D-line that is a star on our team that's over my shoulder right here. There he is. Wait, where's he at? There he is right there. Quinnen. He's staring over my shoulder, guys, as I'm doing this podcast, giving a mean face. But I do think Mike thinks last year he might have underperformed a little bit in comparison to the season before. Yeah, so, look, we took Mr. Quinnen Williams with the number three overall pick. We He was rated as maybe the best player in that draft. Like, Joey Bosa was in that draft. You know, Josh Allen was in that draft, the edge rusher from Jacksonville. Um, and... I'm not saying that I don't like Quinnen Williams. I actually love Quinnen Williams. You know, I'm a fan. But he has not played to the level, in my opinion, uh, that he was drafted at. He's been a bit, a bit, bit of a disappointment. So um, fifth year option, 10.3 million for the 2020 up to the 2023 season. Um, I'm okay with picking up his fifth year option, in my opinion, uh, and not giving him that big old contract because. I haven't yet to see that breakout. Now, it could be because he's being double teamed. It's good. It could be because really we haven't had a lot of assets to help him there at the defensive line. And we're going to be talking about that now, potentially. But if he does get edge help um, where he can get more one on ones and get, you know, because we've seen him be able to do some damage. There's no question about it. We have definitely seen the talent. It's not like he's a scrub. He's no scrub. But we want it. We're waiting to have him really hit the ground running. So I'm watching him. And if in the first couple of games, I see him really starting to terrorize. If I'm JD, I'm signing a check right now because every damn game he goes out and starts hitting sacks, that's going to be ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm really okay with that, you know, but yeah, fifth year option. Don't get, don't give him the bag just yet. Yeah, I know. Last year, guys, you look at Quinnen's stats here. He had 36 tackles. He had the six sacks. He obviously is a difference maker. He obviously is one of the better players on our defense. That, that's without question. But if you look at his statistics, the year before, he played 13 games. Last year, he played 16 games. And he basically had the same stats last year as the previous year. So I think that's why Mike's kind of saying, statistically at least, a little bit of a downtick with him. Seven sacks in 2020, six sacks last year, but he only played 13 games in 2020. So when you look at his production per game last year, it wasn't there. That might have been a byproduct, like Mike said, of us having nobody on the edge. Because, I mean, you look at the squad here, you look at Jonathan Franklin Myers was basically, you know, he's played defensive end. He can play in the middle, but he played defensive end. He had six sacks. After him... And Fatu Kasi, we really didn't have anybody that gave us too much production on the defensive line. When you go through the defensive line here, no one else really, uh, you know, stepped up last year and stood out. I think Jonathan Franklin Myers surprised a lot of people. The Jets gave him a big contract, and not a lot of people knew who he was. He's actually the fourth highest paid player on the entire team. He had six sacks last year. Similar production to a Quinnen Williams. Uh, but, I mean, if Quinnen can get over the hump next year with Carl Lawson there on the edge and maybe we draft somebody at four or bring in one of these defensive ends we're going to talk about right now i mean that could change everything because you look at our defensive line free agents guys and we have fatu kasi as a free agent we have kyle phillips and we have nathan shepherd i think shepherd has a chance to maybe be brought back as a death guy um last year didn't really do too much but fatu kasi always a difference maker 46 tackles last year one of the better run stoppers in the league sammy do you think going through this list here i know calais campbell's out there at d tackle i know there's a lot of other there's two or three other d tackles out there that are pretty good i know hill is out there as a d tackle do you think if they don't 
bring back Fatu Kasi. I should say this. Do you think Fatu Kasi is the guy they should focus on considering this comparable guys out there money-wise? Just bring him back to keep the consistency? Or are you looking at this list here of, of potential free agents? Do you see someone that's a, a better replacement for him? Um, I don't necessarily see anyone that's a better replacement. I honestly would rather bring back Fatu Kasi and then give Quinion and Fatu Kasi that opportunity to have that edge rusher because I think that in terms of this next coming year, like we keep saying, right? It's the most important year draft wise and also season wise. So if you give those guys an opportunity to actually show what they can do with some help on the defensive line, I think you're pretty much set. I mean, I know we'll get in the linebackers later and I think we're good there too, with the exception of maybe one or two spots. But if you can provide that edge rush, think about it, it it's the NFL. So if you become one dimensional defensively, especially defensive line, it's five against four at max, right? No one's playing a 50 in the NFL, so you're not seeing five down linemen. The max you're seeing is four, and you'll get blitzes coming in. So bottom line is you have five on four, and I'm sure Wookiee can speak to this as well. But if you can add just one guy to take the double teams and the combos away from Quinion, I think he has just so much more of an impact. Um, and I think you have to give him that chance before you write him off. That all makes sense, dude. And when you look at the free agents out there, you have Akeem Hicks, at least a D-tackle. Akeem Hicks is a good D-tackle, Calais Campbell. And they have Fatu Kasi as the third highest rated D-tackle on Pro Football Focus. When we get into these edge rushers now, we know we're going to be bringing back Carl Lawson this year. God willing, he's not injured. And big, our biggest free agent signing to me last year, we're going to hope he makes a huge difference. We got into last year, all the metrics on him, all the quarterback pressures, all the sacks, and he was projected to have a huge year for us. So if we add him back into the mix here, we have Quinn in the middle. We have Jonathan Franklin Myers, okay? It's a unit that's not, it's not a weak unit. It is a strong unit on paper. But when you look at some of these free agents, man, at defensive end and that edge rusher outside linebacker slash edge rusher if we don't go that way with number four or we trade back there is some talent out here and all of us were chatting about this before the show started today von miller i don't think he's going to come to the jets he's out there still he was the third highest ranked edge rusher in the league last year on pro football focus he had nine sacks chandler jones is out there jadavion Clowney's out there now sammy mentioned before the show he's a big fan of jadavion Clowney. mike hasn't always been the biggest fan of him i kind of fall in the middle because like we were saying you know he was the number one pick in the draft but when you're when he still performs well but maybe not to number one pick in the draft level had nine sacks last year really good at stopping the run mike is we're looking more for edge rusher so i don't think Clowney's necessarily someone you think is the best fit for the jets uh, at the right price, um, we absolutely anytime you, you can't have enough, okay. uh, you can't okay. have enough edge rushers. Rushers, you know, um, Clowney uh, definitely made an impact there with Cleveland, and we have seen him have ability. Look, it's just all about the money. Uh, Fatu Kasi, love him. We all love him. You know, as a run stuffer. But again, how much is he asking for? My uh, opinion regarding the D tackle spot. Um, I, this is probably an unpopular opinion amongst a lot of people. Um, I saw some flashes last year from one of our young rookies, uh, Jonathan Marshall. Uh, we took him in the seventh round. He was an athletic freak, um, but was kind of raw. And uh, there were some games there that um, you could see things, you know, starting to click for him. Um, if we're not able to bring back Fatukasi, you know, I'm all about giving Mr. Marshall a shot at uh, being a depth guy there for, as a run blocker. But from a, from the free agents that you were talking about, I think Clowney could be had. Um, that, if you know, depending on the, the price there, 
but um this the i think defensive line this draft class is a very rich defensive line yeah, class and i really do believe that they're going to address this uh, um, position more in the draft than they will free agency. There could be some of these guys. I love Trandler Jones. I mean, my goodness, what the fluidity this kid, this guy has with the hips, you know, can get, get around almost any Ooh, blocker. I love, love Chandler Jones, but are we going to be able to get him? Is he going to yeah. want to come to the Jets? I don't know. Yeah, a lot of these edge rushers you see on this list, obviously the edge rushers, some of these veteran edge rushers, they come at a big time price tag. So what Mike is saying makes a lot of sense because we spent a lot of money last year on an edge rusher. And we didn't get to see him play, but he's going to be on the salary cap next year at big time money. I think Lawson's the second highest paid player on the team after CJ Mosley next year. So Mike is probably right. They probably won't break the bank on any of these top guys. You have, you have Randy Gregory from the Cowboys out there. He'll probably get a decent contract. Ingram is going to be a free agent. I know he was on the Chiefs last year. Maybe wasn't as productive as he was in past years. Still number 13 on PFF, guys. Lance Campbell we spoke about. D-tackle, monster, veteran. Monster. He's a guy that, you know, still even last year on Pro Football Focus, the eighth-ranked defensive to tackle when it comes to PFF, so still getting it done there in the middle. Um, you have Justin Houston, you have Hicks from the Bears, so there's options there for the Jets. We have some talent in-house. I do think Mike's probably right. If we stay at four and Thibodeau's there, he's he's a Jet. Gone. I, I don't see how that doesn't happen. If you have him, and you have Carl Lawson, and you have Quinn Williams, and you have Jonathan Franklin Myers, Rankins is still on con under contract for next season also, guys. We know Shaq Lawson's history. He's, he was he was kind of a waste of space um, last year. He did have the one sack, which was a big sack for us um, in, in the, the Bengals game. Um, and Bryce Huff will be back. Bryce Huff only played seven games last year, had a couple sacks. He's someone to keep an eye on, too, when it comes to our um, and, then, and, and, and I know this isn't a draft uh a draft show and we're going to get into the draft but there's a lot of hate a lot of people out there that are hating on Thibodeau and they're saying you know look at his production in the middle games okay and I get that it's true you know he has the flashbang plays but there wasn't the full production the whole time but guess what <laughs> there's context he was hurt <laughs> like people don't you need to really pay attention to the full what what happened to him in the senior year and then also look at his production profile from freshman to junior year he got better every single year. So anyway, we'll yeah. be getting into that later. But I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, right now, Salah, I trust Salah in this position. And if he thinks that Thibodeau is the right person and the guy is there for him, we take him, I will be very, very excited. Yeah, I mean, I trust Joe D so far, at least. Last year's draft gave me some hope. The year before wasn't as good. Um, I like Thibodeau a lot. I mean, J.J. Watt had 11 sacks his whole college career. People want to talk about production. I mean, look, don't be – I mean, I, I understand exactly. what people are saying, but God, sometimes those things matter, sometimes they don't. Thibodeau looks like a monster to me, has the size, has the metrics, has everything you want in a defensive end. As long as the fire is there and the motivation is there, you've heard some of those things like Mike and I have talked about. Um, I think he's going to be a tremendous player if they were able to get their hands on him. Let's get to another spot we talked about before the show started, guys, linebacker position. I sent a stat out to the squad today about the linebacker position statistics from last season. We did a little deep dive today into the stats before the show, guys. The top six linebackers from last year, C.J. Mosley, Quinn Williams, Gerard Davis, we know was a bum, but he was on the team last year. Um, Sherwood, Nashville, Dean, and Cashman. Cashman only played three games. Uh, of those six players right there, there's 324 tackles last season. Okay. 278 of those 324 tackles were made by C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams. That's 86%. Of the linebacker tackles came from two wow. dudes. You want to talk about being top-heavy? Mosley here, guys. 168 tackles, number four in the NFL last year. 
So props to C.J. Mosey, man. He did a lot of heavy lifting last year because Quincy Williams was a godsend to us, if you think about it. Look at this, guys. Look at the stats from these linebackers from last year and think about how Quincy Williams wasn't even on the team when the season started. I mean, God almighty. I, mean, I know we stunk on defense. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, if we didn't have him, it would have just been C.J. Mosey, like, by himself out there at the linebacker position. So... I'm not saying they can't improve next year. Cashman, we had a lot of high hopes for. He's only played 14 games now in three seasons. He only played three more games last year. I and mean, I really liked him coming out of college, too. I had high hopes for him. But like Quincy Williams last year, I, I thought he played great. Um, Quincy, 110 tackles, had a couple sacks, nine tackles for a loss. Um, there's not a lot of free agents out there, though, you know, when it comes to the free agent pool this year at linebacker. A lot of high-level talent. Now, there's one guy. You have Ola Kuhn from Atlanta. They're probably signing back. 192 tackles last year. Led the NFL, which is totally mind-boggling. But no one else, to me, at least with the squad, jumps out initially. I mean, you have you have uh, Devondre Campbell from Green Bay. Number two ranked linebacker last year on PFF. He does a little bit of everything. Vander Ash from Dallas. When you watch Dallas games, it always looks like he makes a million plays. And then you look at the stats, and the stats aren't the greatest. He's someone that gets banged up a lot, too. I know when it comes to our squad, our only free agent is Gerard Davis. So they're bringing a lot of these guys back next year. Sherwood will be back. National Dean will be back. Mike, is there anyone that jumps out at you? I wanted to ask you about one guy on the list here of the top free agent linebackers is the guy that we actually signed a few years ago and then reneged on the deal. <laughs> Mr. Barr from back Yeah, I know. And you have another option from the Vikings, too, but I want to throw him at you. Is he someone, I know he's a little older now, always been decently productive. You get him at a good price, just considering the depth we don't have at linebacker. Does that seem like someone that might make sense for us at this point? Two years ago, price tag is one thing. Right now, price tag is a lot different for him if we try to get him. I don't want anything to do with that bum. <laughs> okay, we signed him and then he reneged. Get the hell away from me. Okay, I want people that want the Jets. And I really don't care how good you are. So you go sit over there in that new 3-4 scheme uh, that's coming. And speaking of that, um, we were talking defensive line. There is a potential trade option with uh, Daniel one Daniel Hunter, who is the edge over there for the Minnesota Vikings. He signed a five-year, $72 million deal back in 2018. And uh, his first two years as the Vikings, he had 14 and a half sacks on 2018 and 2019. Um, and he didn't play in 2020 uh, due to, I don't know why he missed that. Either COVID, he got hurt. COVID. It was COVID. Yeah, okay. It was, it, was COVID, it, was, yeah. it was COVID. Okay. And then he appeared in 21 and he only had seven sacks this season. So, or, or, or actually he only played in seven games. So he had six sacks in seven games. So that's, that's, that's pretty good. So look, he's got a price tag there, but I would, you know, if they're, if they make him available, Daniel Hunter, um, I'm down with that, have him and then potential. And then Carl Lawson, um, I'm cool with that. I mean, I'm good with Thibodeau too. But that's definitely one guy there. But uh, regarding the, the the rest of the lineback the linebacking core, you know, Deontay Hightower potentially. Um, again, this is another look, guys. The, the draft class coming up is very deep at certain positions. Defensive line. There's also some good linebackers too, and I think that this is another position where the the Jets are going to look at uh, adding depth. Um, in the draft and they may add some of these uh, these free agents I don't think they're going to really splurge here but this is a weakness for the New York Jets I, I, I want I know a lot of people love what CJ Mosley did I know that people love Quincy Quincy to be honest with you he did well but he on most teams is a fringe 
play. I mean, he'll, he's a, maybe a starter. I mean, you saw even in Jacksonville, obviously they cut him. Um, I think he's good, but I'm Mike, I, you think he was he's, his stats are basically like circumstantial because yeah. if you look at what was behind him, Gerard Davis basically was a non entity. Yeah. Um and Sherwood, Nashville, Dean Cashman, all these guys are banged up. So I mean he basically just played a zillion snaps last year and gave you decent production. I actually like Quincy Williams, I thought he played well, but I know what Mike's saying. He might have just played well and just had all those stats just because of the circumstances the Jets were in last year with all these injuries. No, Anthony Barr is not someone I want either, Mike. I just wanted to throw him at you and see what you thought. Van Der Ash is someone I do like if he can stay on the field, though. Yeah. Um, he did pretty decent last year because your wife from San Diego is another guy who was a top 20 uh, linebacker last year. I think San Diego is going to bring him back. But it's not really that deep at – in the free agents here, guys, it's not really that deep. I do like Dante Hightower. He's always been productive with the Patriots. The one thing you worry about with Patriot players – I mean, I'll ask you, what when the defensive players that are on the pass besides corners – a guy like who's a plays a linebacker most of those guys are so they have like one skill they do and that's when bill belichick brings them in just for those like two plays they need them and then they go back out right it's all scheme oriented with these guys and it's hard to kind of project patriot players once they're not on the patriots anymore do you know right. do, you, do you agree with that look yeah i mean because because uh, uh, exactly what you mentioned it's such a um a tool specific scheme that he can pick and choose who he wants to utilize where and when and I'm sure they can still play defense, but it's, you know, how long have you been doing one specific thing or, or, or coming in here and there to do this? And now you have to go back to being a, a bigger focus on an entire defense. So yeah. I, I could I could see definitely some credence to that. Yeah, and I don't see them, like Mike said, this probably isn't a position. Aside from depth guys, it might be some of the guys we just mentioned. It might be some guys further down the list here. Um, when it comes to linebacker, you have some other guys out there that are pretty decent, at least when it comes to depth. Because last year, that seemed to be an issue. We tried this um, experiment with these safeties converted to being linebackers, and they got banged up. Didn't really work out that well. Um, we know the defense was historically horrific last year. So all the different positional groups on our squad can use some improvement, of course, just like every other team. Um, I think coming into last year, we would have thought our defensive line would have been a strength. It really wasn't. What ended up being a strength was what we thought was our biggest weakness, which was the secondary. And I'm not saying a strength, that's probably not the best way to phrase it, but to be at least maybe the best part of our defense last year as the year went on. Because we, we saw Bryce Hall, I'm looking into the secondary right now, guys, because this is, to me, the most glaring spot on the squad that we need help at is secondary help. And obviously Marcus may make a back, he may not. So that would be a big hole there at safety. When we look at the top, five corners here on the Jets going into next year, fellas. And I'm not going to count Justin Hardy's contract because he's kind of a special teams guy. guy. Bryce Hall's making 973000 Carter the Third makes 907000 Pinnock, 900000 Eccles, 860000 And Dunn's making 833000 Less than $5 million. So we all, know how, we all know how much a high-level corner gets paid between 15 and 20, which is insane. Which is crazy. So you look at what we have going in next year. So what, what that tells me with the money we have, we're spending money on one of these corners. Oh, yes. Do, do you guys agree? Oh, we're yes. Getting, so oh, we're bringing oh, somebody oh. up. And this is what I was, I was going to tell Sammy. You did a real good job picking the Bengals to make the Super Bowl. I'm really impressed. But I have something. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a level above that, okay? I'm going to guarantee. <laughs> I'm going to guarantee one, a New York Jet right now. You ready? Marcus Williams safety from the New Orleans Saints will be a New York Jet and probably will be one of the highest paid uh, um, free agents, uh, secondary free agents coming out this year. They can't pay him. They cannot pay him. They have to let him go. 
I'm telling you, there's no way, right? Unless something crazy over there in New Orleans, you're going to have to let them go. And that is a perfect free agent to bring in. Joe Douglas, I'm sure, is going to be all over that. Bring guy. him in. I don't know if we're going to bring in Marcus May, but one of these guys that in the secondary, like Keith was saying, all these young guys, uh, even a guy like uh, not Nigel Dean, but um, Pinnock, uh, can we, you know, can be that free safety. But Marcus Williams, that I'm calling that right now, free agency. Mike, lock it up. Mike McGarris called it today. He will be in New York Jet. Yeah, and that's one of the guys we're going to get into here because Mark, obviously, that's our biggest our biggest hole in the secondary. I think. I mean, Bryce Hall is a decent enough corner that it's at least we have a few guys. And Eccles played well too, so I think his safety is our biggest hole. Um, Ashton Davis did play better last year at a couple of interceptions, but I don't think he's going to be an elite safety. Or at least he hasn't shown that yet. Marcus Williams is an elite safety. Last year, guys, he allowed eight catches for 112 yards all season. That's his stats for yep. the entire season. Marcus yep. Williams has never had a holding penalty in his career. <laughs> Did you guys hear what I just said to you? He plays safety at an elite level. He's been in the league for a hot minute now. He's never had a holding penalty yet, guys, which is completely insane. And only five pass interference calls in his entire career so far. And he's playing safety. So, so this guy is a baller. I know what Mike is saying. Probably looking at 15 to 20 million range. For him, someone that's probably going to get around $70 million guaranteed, or, or 70, I shouldn't say guaranteed, but $70 million in total money is what he's looking at. One of the elite safeties, looking at a Jamal Adams kind of level contract, but a much better player. At this Keith, point right now... Bring him in. Throw the bag of him and throw the bag yeah. of Schultz. You can get those two guys. I don't even... Yeah. Get, I don't care. Get Pay him top dollar. Bring him... Keith, I will do flips. We get those two guys, man. Now, let me ask you, Sammy, when it comes to the secondary, when you're looking at the, the way the, the team's set up right now, now in the draft, we have four and we have number 10. There's a lot of rumors that we're going to draft a corner at the top of the draft, okay? But when you look at the guys that we have now, and you think, okay, um, Williams is out there like Mike just said, but you look at some of these free agent corners, now they're all going to cost a pretty penny. Gilmore is going to cost a ton. J.C. Jackson will cost a ton also. Both of those guys played tremendously last year. J.C. Jackson is one of the best corners in the league. If you're going to spend money on one position or the other, Sammy, corner or safety, and then go the other direction in the draft, which one would you do? Uh, I'd spend money on the corner. I, I, I don't think – I know what Mike is saying, but I don't think that's the way Joe Douglas thinks about stuff. So, like, Joe Douglas with the fourth pick is going to say, well, I got Kyle Hamilton out there, so I could take this dude and not pay him much and then go out and sign one of these top five cornerbacks that are free agents this year and throw a bunch of money that way. And I still keep my young core of decent, pretty decent corners with an elite, I'll throw money at Marcus May. You save money getting someone like Marcus Hamilton. So you've got this rookie, you can re-sign Marcus May, and then you can throw money at one of these corners. And now you've actually shored up your entire secondary because you've got two guys at, at safety. I mean, Say what you will, Kyle Hampton and speculation and all that, but that dude is probably going to be a stud. And then you bring in one of these guys at, at the secondary position. I mean, Davis, Gilmore, these dudes are at an elite level and they've been playing that, like you said. So that gives you someone that's a sure fit um, to make up the difference in that secondary, I think. Yeah, and I think it does work both ways. If they spent the money on Williams, Joe Douglas might do the same thing you're saying, Sammy. 
and go, okay, I don't want to spend the money on a big-time corner. I'll just draft one. So both both ways, I think what you're saying works both ways. It just depends on how much he values either Williams over one of these corners. I just I just think I feel like with corners on the in the draft wise, you're more likely to miss than you are to hit. Whereas safeties are more clear cut. If we're going to yeah. be honest, right? Like when you draft a safety, usually they translate really well to the NFL. And corners sometimes it's they look really good in college and they don't. So yeah. I think in terms of Joe Douglas, he's more of a practical guy yeah so he might look at it that way yeah it could be he also that's true and safeties usually do translate better and cornerbacks are hit or miss the Jets know better than anyone look at D Milner and this whole graveyard of corners we've drafted in the past guys but I do think that corners also cost a lot more so I mean we're looking at a, a corner level contract possibly for Williams don't get me wrong um, but the guaranteed money, I think, for a cornerback, if they signed a Gilmore, which is maybe far-fetched, or a J.C. Jackson here, could be more money than a Williams. I think Carlton Davis here from Tampa Bay, guys, you saw Pro Football Focus has him as the number 16 overall free agent of anyone out there right now. Number three corner out there right now. I know he only played 10 games last year. He's been a little bit banged up in his career, but he always ranks out well. Um, he is a number one corner in the NFL. Very physical player, guys. And we could, I think he's someone that's not going to break the bank at a J.C. Jackson level or a Gilmore level. Um, there's some other guys out here. I know Casey Hayward's out there. Williams from the Rams is out there. Williams is always playing second fiddle to um, Jalen Ramsey. He's also a very good cornerback. But I think Carlton Davis could be a really good fit for the team. Pro Football Focus projected him onto the squad also. A lot of options here. Marcus May is another option. Like Sammy said, Marcus May is another guy. I think the injury last year, obviously, unfortunately for him, is going to hurt his value a little bit. Mike, do you think that's more realistic than going out and getting a Williams? Just go ahead and bring him back a Marcus May. He knows the system. We know what he can do. I don't think he's as much of a threat when it comes to big plays. Maybe as a Williams, he's not a difference maker maybe in that way. But a, a solid player and probably get him for a lot less money than Williams. Um... <laughs> It just depends how his rehab has gone, and it also just depends on where he is mentally. What I've heard, the birds that have been chirping, is that most likely this isn't going to happen with Marcus May. I would love for it to happen. I like Marcus May as a human being and as a professional, and I think that the continuity of having him come back into that locker room would help with the, with the team. But I, from what I'm hearing, that's probably not going to happen. I'm all... I, I, I hear what you were saying, um, Sam, Sammy, but the truth is, I don't think Joe Douglas is is spending a, a top five pick on a non-premium position. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I don't. I understand Kyle Hamilton's really, really good, but I just think that he is dug in on those major positions: offensive line, defensive line, quarterback. That's what he's going to do in with those premium picks. He's not picking a non-impact uh, uh, position. And then, you know, you go get a Marcus Williams because he's plug and play, right? He's great. He's a pro bowler. We already know the value we're getting from a guy like that immediately in the safety. And we need it, right? And get him with maybe LaMarcus Joyner or whoever, Ashton Davis. And, you, you know, and that secondary, to your point, uh, we have a lot of young, good players we definitely that need that top guy and a carlton davis i think would be just be perfect or with that 10th pick you go get sauce all right yeah. i'm i'm all about that i'm <laughs> all about it I, I am i'm a hundred percent go get sauce i mean I would, I would say you get him at four and you and you sign marcus williams 
Because what were the stats with Williams, Keith? How many were the, the passes he's allowed and, and, and yards? Eight, catch, like eight catches last year, 112 yards. Um, okay. 2021 Sa- Sauce Gardner, over three years, allowed 60 catches on 138 targets his way and 131 yards in 14 games his last season. So That's you put ridiculous. those two guys in the same defense. Wow. <laughs> I haven't guys, even got into draft. Guys, I, I, son, see, Kansas is saying stuff like that. <laughs> Mar- and Marcus Carter's, Williams, yeah. not even, Marcus Williams isn't even 26 years old yet. Oh, so oh I, I think he's gonna. I think he'll. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the Saints are gonna try to move heaven and earth to figure it out. But one thing, like Mike mentioned, their salary cap situation is nightmare yeah. status. They were yep. built to win last year. They were 70 something million dollars over the cap. So I don't know about that. If they can get it done, that's obviously a no-brainer to bring him back if they have the money. But they might not have the money. Another guy that's out there, guys, in the secondary at the safety position, at least, Honey Badger. Okay, Tyron Matthews out there, guys. And now, Honey Badger, we know, always productive, super versatile. Doesn't really matter what scheme you're running, he's going to be good. He's going to turn 30 next season. Won't be the same price tag as maybe a Williams, but also a guy that you know for the next three years will probably play at an elite level. I don't know if that's someone anyone has under consideration, but someone to just uh, think about. And then when it comes to depth now, we have Bryce Hall. Last year, we know... Played great. Didn't have any interceptions, but 16 passes defended, 66 tackles. Um, at least prove that he's a, a formidable cornerback that we can plug and play next year, right? Maybe probably a number two or a number three, but he's decent enough. Eccles played good as the year went on. We know he had the big interception return at the end of the season there. Two interceptions for him. Um, besides that, I think Michael Carter III played decent enough. Do you guys think if they can't get any of these high money guys, say they don't go safety and they don't go corner in free agency, which I don't think, I think they're going to they're going to grab somebody in the secondary, I think, personally. But say they didn't do that, would you consider adding, like, maybe a Patrick Peterson? I know he's older, but just to add a veteran cornerback, uh, a veteran corner. Last year, he didn't rate out that well. But get someone back there, at least, that you know is um, formidable. Aside from these guys, like I said, that don't even add up to $5 million in contract. Or you don't even want to consider Peterson. Uh, Patterson, he's too old. I'd take him. I mean, to get the veteran presence. Bring in voices. You know, Salah, I think has shown an ability to get all he can out of that secondary. I'm, I'm about it. Yeah. You know, whatever it's going to help. We got a young uh, squad. And if you bring in some vets that are going to be good examples, why not? Yeah. And Quadri Diggs, we know they converted him from corner to safety there in Seattle. And is obviously the best safety they have on the Seahawks. We all know that. He's a free oh, agent cool. as well, guys. He ranked out pretty well last year. Ranked in the 20s. Don't even know where Jamal Adams ranked. I know it was nowhere near the top 20. As his career slowly fades into oblivion and the Seahawks just keep having to deal with that horrific trade. And we reap the benefits. Thank you, Seahawks. Thank you, Panthers. That's the reason that the Jets have the most draft capital. <laughs> All right, so we got some breaking news here. As we do the show, Mike said Chandler Jones will be hitting the market. That's somebody that's always super productive, guys. 11 sacks last year. The brother of UFC light heavyweight legend John Jones. Just everyone wants to know that. You probably know that already. And also, um, we have our boy Hassan Reddick hitting the market from the Panthers. Had 11 and a half sacks last year, 12 sacks the year before. Another good pass rusher. So that's something to keep in mind, everybody. This week, Sammy, you don't even know this. Because we didn't even drop this little tidbit on you yet. We have yeah. SNY correspondent Dexter Henry joining the squad next week to break down this free agent situation. Guys, we're going to talk about all the stuff we've talked about the past two weeks. By next week, we'll know everybody. Most of the guys that are franchise tag will have a better lay of the land. Ask them who we think the Jets should add on offense, who they should add on defense, some of the free agents on the team they should bring back. That's what we have for you next week, everybody. So tune in. And thank you for joining us this week. If anyone does want to get at us, support us, and get with AEBG in any way, shape, or form, Mike, how could they do that? 
Hey guys, we're on YouTube. Please like, subscribe, share with your friends. We really, really appreciate it. We're on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Agaris, on behalf of the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Cronk, and on behalf of the number one high school coach in the nation today, my cousin Sammy. My name is Keith Farrell. Get you next week, everybody. Peace out.